Speaking of children, I think Chris and Stephanie, you, you, brought, uh, you brought somebody new to church today, didn't you? Yeah? Awesome. How's, oh, you're holding the baby, Karen? How come I'm not holding the baby? That's awesome. It's wonderful. Welcome. Glad to see you and uh, glad you are all doing well. Uh, this morning, uh, we are starting a, a new series, and um, so I, I hesitate to tell you this, uh, but this is uh, probably going to be, well, this is definitely going to be my last series here with you. Um, and I have, I have chosen this um, because I think, uh, I think Philippians, the book that we're going to look at over the next few weeks, uh, Philippians has a lot to tell us, uh, but Len has just reminded me I'm all, all discombobulated because we're doing things in a slightly different order. Len has reminded me that we still need to do congregational prayer. So let's go back and do that before we get too far into Philippians. Suffice it to say, Philippians is going to be good for us, I think. Let's pray. Dear God in heaven, we, uh, we have, as you heard, uh, spent uh, a, a good chunk of time talking about a number of pastoral um, and health concerns among us. And so we lay before you all of those concerns, O oh God. We ask very much that you would be with Pam Karkner and her daughter, Rena. We ask that you would continue to be with Hinka as well. We ask that you would be with Hank um, and Case as well. Lord, we praise you for how Jacqueline, Jacqueline is recovering. We pray that she would continue to do so. Uh, we pray for Susan Dullamond and Henny Jansons in, as they continue their ongoing battle with cancer. We pray for Annie um, as she too battles um, whatever is going on in her life with the seizures and so on. Lord, we pray too that you will be with Ray and Tina in their situation as, as difficult as it is. We pray very much that you will be with Amy as uh, doctors and nurses and other healthcare professionals figure out um, what is best and needed in her situation. We pray also very much for Pete, uh, for Pete and his needs and, and for his family too. Father, we pray for our college and university students who are wrapping up their semesters, who are doing uh, culminating projects or who are in the thick of exams. Lord, we, we pray for them. We pray for them also. If they, if they haven't found secured work for this summer, we pray for them in that way too. We pray for our, our, our farmers and our gardeners as they head towards the spring planting season. We pray that you would bless the crops that grow this year. That they would be bountiful, not only for our sakes or for the sakes of our members, but Lord, for the sake of this world. Lord, we pray for those who are hungry and going without. We pray for the concerns of this world, <clears throat> ongoing war in Ukraine and elsewhere. We pray for those suffering from disasters, whether natural or uh, human-made. 
Lord, we pray. We pray all of these things, asking as well that you would guide us as we look to your scriptures. Lord, open our hearts and minds that we would hear what you would have us hear. We pray too, O God, that you would continue to bless Heritage Community Christian School. Thank you for the work that is ongoing there, for the positive attitude that that dwells among the the teachers and the staff and the the students. Lord, we pray uh, that this will continue. Also, Lord, among the board, as they continue to serve uh, the school and the families uh, and the community to bless them as well. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for that reminder, Lynn. Um, As I said, we're going to start a new series. We're going to start a series uh, looking at Philippians. And uh, this is inspired in part uh, by this book that was put out a number of years ago by our denomination uh, called Dwelling with Philippians, a conversation with Scripture through image and word. And, And this is a little bit of a different sort of way of doing things. It is... Uh, it's a little bit contemplative, uh, mixed in with uh, mixed in with preaching in the sort of traditional sort of style. So we are gonna we're gonna have the opportunity to not just uh, hear the preacher preach some stuff, but we're also going to have the time to kind of sit with uh, images that are inspired by or related to. Uh, Philippians and poetry and so on, uh, and contemplate how these things um, relate to us. Now, part of the reason for choosing uh, this series is that I think Philippians speaks in some ways to my experience here at Athens Christian Reformed Church. Uh, For us, it has been honestly and truly and totally vulnerably and openly a a blessed and wonderful time. It has been a great joy to us to be here and continues to be for however long we are here. Um, And and for Paul, who wrote the letter of Philippians, he he didn't get to spend, I don't think, as much time with the Philippians as, as we've gotten to spend with you. Um, But nonetheless, he clearly felt a great love for the church at Philippi. It it meant a lot to him. And and we will see that unfold throughout the letter. Um, And and so I'm hoping that God will speak encouragement to you about how God has gifted you already, but also about the gifts that God is growing within you and how God is calling you to move forward as a congregation, as a people, as individuals, as family, uh, as we move forward. Of course, Paul starts his letter in in a beautiful and wonderful way. So the first message that we are looking at is is rooted in the idea of grace and peace. And so we're going to look at Philippians 1, verses 1 and 2, just those two verses to start us off. So, uh, Pete, if you'll move forward, this is Philippians 1, verse 1 to 2. Uh, You can follow along, of course, in your pew Bibles or up on the screen uh, easily enough. So, Paul and Timothy. 
Paul starts this letter. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The word of the Lord. Amen. Now there are a number of different things that we need to note here in uh, Philippians chapter 1 verses 1 and 2. First of all, we want to talk about the reality of how Paul sort of entitles himself or, or gives himself a title. Not that he's making himself entitled, um, but look at the title he gives himself and Timothy. Servants of Christ Jesus. I think we can go on to the next slide. Um, so Paul and Timothy are the, the authors of this letter, um, and the title they give themselves is a servant or doulos, doulos of Christ. Now, um, does that word doulos remind you of anything? And you're not allowed to answer. A doula, right. Because, and, and this, is, this is true, this is the exact same root word, right? Um, servant, translated servant here. However, it's really not actually servant, it's actually slave, right? Doulos means more than a servant, it means a slave. So Paul and Timothy, slaves, right? A servant is free to come and go, right? A slave is in the possession of his master forever. That's from William Barclay in his commentary on Philippians, Colossians, and Thessalonians from 1957, right? Paul and Timothy are saying to the people of Philippi that they are slaves of Christ Jesus, that they are slaves of to their Lord and Savior. But he is also, as always, because this is Paul, he is also saying something to the Philippians about who they are, right? He is saying to them that this is who we are, slaves to Christ Jesus, but also, so too are you. You also are slaves to Christ Jesus. You see, As Jesus says when he talks about uh, whether or not a person can serve two masters, he says, no, no one can serve two masters. He is either going to serve one or be slave to one and, um, and dismiss the other, I'm paraphrasing, or vice versa. You're going to serve one master. And so too, Paul is wanting the Philippians to continue in serving God. But then we continue on to the next slide. We got to remind ourselves who are the Philippians, right? Philippians, uh, Philippi was the key city, the, the main city in the province, the Roman province of Macedonia. Um, see, Paul, in Acts chapter 16, Paul had wanted to go on to the province of Asia Minor, but for whatever reason, the, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit said to him, no, don't go to uh, Asia Minor at this time. Instead, Paul was sent a vision of a man from Macedonia saying, please come to us, we need you. 
And so Paul and uh, Silas and Timothy and Luke, all four of them, head towards Philippi. And, and at Philippi, uh, they, they, come, they come to Philippi on the river, or, or they come over land, I'm not sure which, but regardless, they know that uh, people will often go down to the river to pray, uh, to use the song title. As I went down to the river to pray, wondering about that good old way. Sorry, singing went bad there. <laughs> Anyways, uh, you didn't hire me for my singing. So, um, right, uh, he knew that the people would be down by the water praying. And so they went down to the river and they found uh, the women there praying, devout women. Among them was Lydia. Uh, not that Lydia, but... Uh, the other Lydia, after whom she is named. The Lydia who was one of the uh, first women converts, uh, in Gentile converts that we know of in the scriptures. One of the, one of the earlier ones. And who ended up hosting the church at Philippi. Uh, right? Because churches were all house churches at that time. Right? So uh, Lydia was there who was converted at that time and, and then also made up uh, the people of Philippi, the con- converts to Christianity in Philippi, some of the earliest converts. One was a young woman who was a slave, who was a slave partially because she was, um, she was under the possession of an evil spirit who would uh, tell fortunes through her. And as a result of her fortune-telling ability taken from this demon possession, she was making a whole lot of money for her masters, which was great for them, not so great for her. You may remember the story. She follows uh, Paul and Silas and the others through the streets of uh, Philippi, proclaiming loudly about who they are. And Paul eventually gets really annoyed with this. You can imagine it sort of grating on him, right? Um, And so he turns around and he says to the demon, in Jesus' name, get out of her. And so she loses this uh, spirit that provided the the fortune telling, which is great for her, but not so great for her masters because now she's not going to make money for them. Which results in the next uh, converts that we hear about because Paul and Silas are brought before the magistrates and uh, they are uh, put into jail. And uh, around midnight that night, the, you know, the, they're, they're, <laughs> see, they're in stocks in the jail, right? So they're like in, you know, those wooden block things with holes for the feet and holes for the hands, right? They're in these blocks, right? And they're sitting there in the middle of the night singing songs and praising the Lord where they're there in these uncomfortable blocks in the innermost cell of the prison. And and the earthquakes and the blocks fall off of things and, and, and Paul and Silas and the others are free to go if they want to. And the jailer thinks, surely they have gone. But in, instead, because the jailer knows that he is in deep, deep trouble for this, the jailer pulls out his sword about to kill himself when Paul and Silas and the others say, no, 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 we're still here. Don't do that. We're still here. It's okay. And the man in awe and wonder 
falls at their feet and says, what must I do to be saved? And so he and his whole family, his whole household, which would have included not, not only his spouse and his children, but also the slaves uh, in his household, all of them become converts to Christianity there too. And so you can see, you can see how this might have been a pretty significant and special visit for Paul. Now, he, he only, we think, got to go there a couple of other times, but this is the makeup, or at least the seeds of the makeup of the church in Philippi. Let's go on to the next slide. The people of Corinth, this is a quote from Thomas G. Long in his book Saints from 1996. The people of Corinth and Philippi and so on kind of assumed that sainthood was a position of moral status, right? Like when we think of a saint, St. Peter or whatever, we, we, we have a tendency to think, well, they are so good that they are called saints, right? Now we, we have some, I think, better theology than that in the Reformed tradition, but this is going to reinforce that good theology a little bit. See, the people of Corinth kind of assumed that sainthood was a position of moral status, already having achieved something. That it was a destination which a person of moral perfection arrived at. Right? I have arrived. I am now a saint. I have achieved sainthood. Not true. But not in that way. <laughs> right? Uh, to which Paul says, Paul says, no, 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 no. Sainthood is not a destination. It is a journey. You were called to be saints. And I love this last little bit. A saint is a baptized person with a vocation. A saint is is a baptized person with a job. <laughs> right? And the job is to be saintly. Not, not in the holier-than-thou kind, but in the slave-of-Jesus-Christ kind. In the going-along. You, brothers and sisters, we, brothers and sisters, have been on a journey and continue to be on a journey. I love this photo here. This photo, uh, which is an untitled photo, um, was by Scott Mutter uh, from 1986. And I don't know how well you can see it, but it's a typical church background, except the artist has merged, merged the image of a city street here going down the aisle so that the, the, the pews end up forming the shadows of skyscrapers in the middle of a city and the, the cars and the people are walking up and the, down the aisle as if they are going up and down the, the, the streets of Chicago or New York or something like this. And it emphasizes to me the journey of faith and sainthood. A journey that you and I, all of us, have been and continue to be on. Let's face it, 
the church, this church, Athens Christian Reformed Church, has not been a church that has gone throughout its entire life without bumps on the road. Right? We've had our difficulties over time. We have had troubles. We've had uh, disunity among us, arguments about um, whether women should serve in office or whether they should not. We've had arguments about how our denomination is doing. We've had debates about all kinds of things and people have come and have gone and some of them have, have come and gone with blessing and smoothness and wonderfulness and some have come and gone because they have been hurt or or damaged. And, and, and at the same time, we have also been on a journey of healing and growth, of learning more and more what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to love God, heart, mind, soul, and strength, and what it means to love one another as ourselves. A journey that continues on and is beautiful. Let's continue to our next slide. Grace and peace are things that are gifts to us. This book, it says here, it was only because of God's grace that Saul of Tarsus could write now in love to Christ followers whom he used to persecute. And it is only because of peace, of God's peace, that we can overcome our pride and our envy, be welcomed back into the family of God, and realize the blessing of eternal love, even as we meditate on these simple words. Peace and grace. They are huge words. Grace and peace. It is in receiving grace that peace becomes possible. It is in letting down our pride and envy, putting those aside, that we can receive grace and therefore that peace can begin. Think about it. The things that you do not have peace about, how many of them are rooted in your pride, in my pride. I'm too proud to accept help. Too proud to be vulnerable and tell people my struggles. I'm jealous of other people's stuff or position or quality of life, how it looks like their lives are. And so that that makes some seething lack of peace in my life. I wish that I had more in this life. I am afraid of what will happen to me because I am too proud to admit that I am not in control of this life and that God is and that that needs to be okay. Grace and peace go hand in hand. 
this poem or this uh, this this uh, painting by Annika Kai from 2003. Listen to what Matthew Henry. Matthew Henry was a, a, a commentator uh, on the scriptures from like the late 1700s or something like that. I can't remember exactly. Anyways, you can find Matthew Henry anywhere uh, if you Google him on the internet. Uh, but he says there can be no true peace where there is not true grace, and where grace goeth before peace will fall. I think about our debates in in our society and and even amongst ourselves sometimes and and how when we are not gracious to one another in our differences of opinion on various things, there is no peace. Right? We argue as a denomination about all kinds of things. And there's argument that carries on to this day when we are gracious with one another in those arguments, there can be a peaceful way forward. When we are not, there is no way forward. No way in peace. This is what uh, the artist and uh, Eugene Peterson, uh, who wrote the message, who did the translation, the message, Eugene Peterson and Annika Kai, they put together a book uh, that was... uh, that contained images and um, also words about uh, theology and the gospel and so on uh, from 2003 called In a Word. And the artist says together with Eugene Peterson, the heart of the light round shape here symbolizes the inner person. The white band above pictures God and the shape below refers to the surrounding world. This simple composition expresses a peaceful, orderly rest. The person is, the inner being is at rest in this world and in the presence of God. Through peace, through Christ, peace with God and the environment, the world we live in, is possible, which is why the cross, which you can maybe see that way, dominates the composition. The inner peace that results is pictured as a rising sun. You've been uh, seeing the sunrise before, right? The beauty, and, and it's not quite stillness, because the birds are going nuts, right? They're so excited about the world and everything in it. But it is in a weirdly beautiful, noisy way. It is so peaceful and beautiful. The inner peace that results is pictured as a rising sun, the moment of peace in nature. Its gentle life, light softens the harsh contradictions in our world. This is, this is part of the journey of sainthood for you, for us, is to continue to learn to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love one another as ourselves, to extend grace just as grace has been extended to us so that we may live in peace and fellowship with God, our Savior, with our brothers and sisters in Christ, and with the world around us. 
which God has called us to serve in his name. Let's go to the next slide. Is that it? That's all I got. Good. All right. Nailed it. <laughs> right? This is, this is grace and peace for us. Grace and peace which Paul offers. Paul, the man who on the road to Damascus was caught by the light of God and changed from an enemy to a friend. Changed from an enemy to a brother. Brothers and sisters, you have changed. You have grown. You are, by God's grace, more than you were. We are not perfect. (laughs) This is very true. But I have seen God's grace and peace growing in you. And I pray and trust and hope together with all God's saints that this movement will continue. That you will continue to be a people of grace and peace more and more as you serve slave for Christ and live as saints in his world. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for the grace and peace you bring us. Thank you so much for Paul and Timothy and Silas and Luke and all the others in the early church who spread the gospel throughout the Roman world and beyond so that we today could know you. Lord, we pray that we may hear these things in this passage, that we may hear the call to be slaves of Christ Jesus, that we may hear the reality that we are saints in Christ Jesus, and that we may receive and live in the grace and peace you offer. Lord, grow us in this way, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.